the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. take a walk back in time we take a look back at the fun days of professional wrestling the glory days actually the new generation may not be the glory days but they're uh, fond days when we look back at them and this week of course it's no different as we're going to look at doink the clown as portrayed by matt Bourne with my guest my good buddy uh the bringing the conversation uh between us to real life of course i'm talking about the great chris pavone Chad, thank you so much, man, for having me on. I always appreciate it. It's always fun. I'm telling you, this is just our regular conversation. <laughs> We've talked about Doink a million times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this time we're going to dissect it a little bit more. Uh, had a little bit of time to go over some stuff. The Doink the Clown character, kind of like uh, not looked back upon as uh, maybe uh, fondly as some may think it is. Uh, especially with Matt Bourne, which we'll talk about because it really wasn't that long of a time Matt Bourne portrayed Doink. But we all remember Doink, and we talked about with you the last time you were on, you know, you growing up as a fan, blah, blah, blah. So we won't do that today. But just let's talk about Doink when you think of Doink. What do you, what comes to mind when you hear the name Doink the Clown? Yeah, so for me, when I hear Doink, I think of the Matt Bourne heel Doink character. Um, maybe because that was my favorite, you know, version, I guess. Um, but that's what I think of, which going back like many years ago, when I would start to hear, I never understood why Doink was considered such like a horrible gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't understand it either. I mean, I, I kind of think the same thing. I go right back to the early Doink. You know, even though I know Doink has been around forever and now at this point, as we're talking in 2021, but I, I think about that first year of Doink that we're going to focus on with Matt Bourne. But I guess it's those following years, you know, the tail end of Doink when it was portrayed by then Ray Apollo. And then I think the uh, the kind of blasphemous uh, incarnations of Doink across the independent scene, basically since like 1995 where other companies have had their own versions of doink. I think that's maybe what kind of clouds people's memories, but uh, nonetheless, Matt Bourne's doink, I think is the doink that should uh, reign supreme in everybody's hearts and minds. Yes. And that's a great point, Chad, because, uh, you know, as I've told you before in our conversations, there was like that year and a half period <laughs> where I didn't watch wrestling. It was like at the end of my eighth grade year, which would have been 1994, uh, a decent chunk of, of the new gen. And then around my end of my freshman year in high school, I got back into wrestling and that's when I decided like, Oh, this is, this is what I want to do. Like that, that came in. I'm like, I'm doing this. And so I, I think I missed a lot of the doink and dink time. <laughs> right. So maybe I, I don't remember that as much. 
Okay. Doink and Dink. I agree what you're saying. All the endless portrayals. Um, I'm sure you've met people over the years that claim to be Doink or one of the Doinks on WWF TV. And <laughs> maybe they were at you know one of the double Doinks or whatever. But yeah, I think that definitely plays into it, what you just said as well. Yeah, absolutely. Doink and Dink, I don't want to touch that yet. We'll we'll get to that towards the tail end because <laughs> I don't know if we would trust Matt Bourne with a uh, with a little person like uh, like a Dink for a uh, <laughs> yeah. for a long extended period of time. But um, from your time in the wrestling business and you know and working shows, had you ever come across an imposter Doink on anything that you were uh, you were a part of? So, yeah, actually, the show, the indie show. It was like my seventh match or whatever. And I got to work Kurt Henning. Nice. Um, the guy that was one of the guys on that show uh, was a local guy named Preston Steele. Have you ever heard that I, name? That sounds very familiar, that name, Preston Steele. Okay, yeah. He he uh, was a police officer in the in the town I was from, and he ran a wrestling school. And, and I actually checked out his school back in like 97, and I didn't end up going there. But um, Preston Steele, I'm pretty sure he used to do play doink on the indies from time to time um and uh my only other um experience with another doink was actually <laughs> nick my trainer nick dinsmore eugene that's right who uh, <laughs> i remember in 2003 early 2003 um a group of guys from obw went up and worked the no- i think it was no way out it was like the february 2003 pay-per-view in the apa had a barroom brawl segment and um nick was doinking that <laughs> and i remember that very well <laughs> okay yeah and i remember jim Cornette didn't like it if i remember correctly he's like god dang it they nick's the goddamn best wrestler they they got him playing the clown <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's weird the later versions of doink when it would come back uh you know later in the more modern era it always had a different person portraying it. And I don't know if you remember this in like 2001 ish, even Chris Jericho put on the doink makeup and had the whole mm-hmm. doink cowl and everything. I think one of the WrestleMania 17 or 18, we had a Jericho doink. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the, uh, the other reincarnations of the Jericho uh, character, right? The Genesis of Jericho. He could throw doink on the resume too, <laughs> with all the changes he's made. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt Bourne itself. Okay. Everybody's had heard Matt Bourne stories. Uh, he passed away in 2013. He was actually living in New Jersey when he passed away and relatively local to where I was. So even I had heard Matt Bourne stories from not people associated with wrestling because Mm. he was that interesting of a character. And to some might not have been the nicest guy, maybe a little bit of a loose cannon uh, himself. But nonetheless, maybe, maybe the perfect person to portray a clown with wrestling prowess that could go from happy to sad to mad all in one setting in one situation. And that character in, in the stories of Matt Bourne kind of really make you believe that the doink, the clown original character was really nuts. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Uh, uh, Bourne played it so well too. Cause again, like we and I have talked about, I love this idea of, um, okay, here's this guy who's like a Matt technician very skilled in the wrestling ring. And I love the dichotomy of he wore a freaking clown suit. And in the context of the character, it's like, 
this guy is, you know, off his rocker. And, and I love, like you said, he, the way then born I'm up there with Ted DiBiase. If I do say, as far as the being able to, being able to laugh on cue, believable like that, yeah. you know, he, he would do the uh, change the emotion, like you said, and, and go from the laughing to the crying <laughs> to the sad. And uh, it, it really tied in with this very, um, uh, unpredictable, uh, you know, mentally unstable guy who, again, is an excellent, excellent wrestler in the ring. <laughs> yeah, always looked at as a guy as Matt Bourne, you know, maniac Matt Bourne or just Matt Bourne or whatever he was going to be billed as. Always looked at as like a great hand, always had good matches. We won't say Big Josh from WCW because he didn't really hit. <laughs> he just yeah. had as a lumberjack. He didn't really do much. But not Matt Bourne himself from a wrestling family. He's got the pedigree, the whole nine yards. Uh, but psychologically speaking, made you believe that this person and the, the way they would build it up. We don't know who this guy is. We don't know what his motives are. He's this evil clown. Yes. But from a psychological point of view, how does how does one, especially you, a, a former wrestler, how do you get into that that method character? He said he channeled a little bit of the Cesar Romero Joker, which you could tell you can see there's elements but what would you like? What would it take for you to get into that psychological mindset to play an evil clown? Yeah. Oh, dude, I somehow have never heard him say that about Cesar Romero. That's probably my yeah. favorite Joker. Yeah. Um, you can see it if but, you think about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I still watch that today. I love it. It's so good. Cesar Romero as a Joker. <laughs> but, um, you know, I would say to get into that role, you, you, I would say you just have to believe it. You know, he he obviously felt comfortable doing it. He believed that he was in it. And um, and I don't know. My guess is that, you know, once he was in the full makeup and the whole deal, he, he felt it even more. Um, yeah, and I'm sure I don't know. My guess would be that at that stage in his career, you know, the ups and the downs and the he, he had channeled maybe a lot of the real emotion he's felt over his career and, and put it in to um, I don't know, I guess arguably his most successful run i guess you could say yeah um or at least you know his only run in in wwe um yeah and he just really uh really made it work and uh you can tell he wasn't you know when he would <laughs> when he would do his promos he, he he was feeling it you know he wasn't reading a script you could tell he was he was in the character um for example, one of my, uh, my, I'm sure it's an ad lib. Even as a kid, I love this. In the, uh, the, the WrestleMania nine, the, the debut of the double doing, which we can touch on. Cause oh, yeah, that was one of my trainers, Steve Kern. He told me some stories about that, <laughs> but, uh, Dwayne gets the win, you know? And it's like, you know, we've never seen that before. And he looks in the camera and he goes, what happened? What happened? And he starts laughing. <laughs> I was like, that's just good stuff, man. This guy's in the character, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's great, and I'm sure the transformation is always uh, it's kind of cool to see. I mean, I've talked about before. I watched Brutus the Barber Beefcake tape up his shears to give it the old barbershop look with the red and white tape. So I can't imagine what it must have looked like watching him get that makeup applied and seeing him go from what he looked like to being under the makeup. Now, have you seen guys go through a transformation into a character and see how, you know, their, their, their expressions change. And as they get themselves together, do they start to get into the role a little bit more? <clears throat> um, let me think. 
maybe a little bit um I guess the come on, how about the boogeyman? <laughs> I'm sure you're oh, around a boogeyman. Boogie's you know? a great example. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, because I couldn't think of anybody. Boogie definitely. And um have you ever talked to him or met him? I've met him once as a handshake. I was with Shane Douglas, met him once as a as a quickly walk by me. That was it. Okay, yeah. Great guy, Marty Wright. Uh, but he he would get into the character for sure. You know, um and uh but the, but a lot of the guys too, like the, I guess I don't know the transformation would happen once they went through the curtain. Um, so I, I, no one really stands out as a, not, at least not off the top of my head. But <laughs> you don't um, give Cornette that racket, and he turns into Jim Cornette, or is he just Jim <laughs> Cornette twenty four seven? Yeah. <laughs> um, like I don't know. I, I, I'm just thinking of. The, but you know, you would watch the guys though. Once they went through the curtain, then then they it would change. I don't know if that. It's got to be a part of the whole mystique, you know. I'm not. I'm sure not everybody is method, you know. I'm sure not everybody is yeah. walking around twenty four seven and believing, you know, they are the evil clown. You know, he's not going to walk around and and do the. I mean, he might have as a rib just to kind of mess with people as a as a goof, yeah. but yeah. Um, you never know. But uh, I think that once he he kind of gets on the TV. And he changes from just Matt Bourne to being Doink. I'm sure there's absolutely some sort of transformation sure. that goes on. But when we look at when he debuts, he debuts not in the ring, not as a run-in, not as a, you know, this character's coming soon. He's just a clown in the crowd. And they would just point him out. Oh, there's the clown again. There's the clown. And he had no name, but he's just in the crowd. What do you remember about those first uh, appearances? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that. Sure. Uh, that was the other thing. Like the way the way they debuted him was unique. Um, a slow build. I think he was in the crowd for a few months before he ever really did anything. And um, I remember thinking as a kid, is he a good guy or a bad guy? You know, because he started to slowly get more and more involved. He would then be in the aisle way. And, um, and I remember Bam Bam Bigelow, who was a heel, um, and I don't know, maybe WWE didn't know what they're going to do with him at the time, baby. Yeah. Heel, but uh, he he had the the bucket of water that he was going to dump on Bam Bam, and when he threw it on Bam Bam, it was glitter. And uh, so I was like, "Oh, is this client? Is he a yeah? Is he a good guy or is he yeah. a bad guy?" And uh, and then you know they started slowly doing the he was uh, doing mean stuff and the whole thing. And then I thought what was really great was, you know, he's a clown. So how serious can you take this guy? Well, you know, he got he. he he got real serious when he ripped his arm off, which I love how he was selling the arm, by the yeah. way, because the week before Crush grabbed him by the arm and told him to knock it off. And that's just a great heel stuff. The next week he has his arm in a sling. And then, you know, he, uh, they ran that big angle where he beat Crush up unconscious with the, with the cast. That was, you know, some heat on Doink. And now it's like, oh, wow, this guy, he's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> The actual, you know, we'll, we'll talk about WrestleMania 9 in a minute with Kern, but just that the usage of the arm, it's actually kind of brutal the way they actually literally beat Crush until the arm <laughs> snapped, it broke. But when he was selling the the uh, the arm is when they actually finally were starting to bring him out more to, okay, he's going to get in the ring eventually. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. I was going to send it to you last night, but I, I just dropped the ball. His debut promo where we find out his name is Doink. Do you have any yeah, recollection of this? Yes. Okay. Yep. Ray Rougeau, who does not get enough credit 
for being a, a, a not a great interviewer, but just a guy who you knew was a wrestler that could stand up there with the other guys and be believable. But he's very soft spoken and, he, and he's got a very like kind of like light voice. So when he's admonishing Doink for his blasphemous actions and Doink is just laughing, it is it's gold. It is absolute gold. And they relive in that first promo when we find out his name is Doink. What did he do? He threw uh, uh, um, he hit a, a Tatanka with a mop in the eye. He he tripped the big boss man. Remember, big boss That's man would right. leave the ring running when yes. his music would be playing. And he trips the big boss man with the trip wire. And he's yeah, playing right. these dastardly tricks on the baby faces. And then when we find out his name is Doink, he's got the arm in a sling. But now we also know he's going to face Crush. Kona Crush. Crush him at WrestleMania 9. The outdoor WrestleMania, uh, optically speaking, it looks fantastic. On paper, Crush maybe wasn't as great as maybe we thought back in the day. Looking back, but nonetheless, the match is entertaining. What the buildup was was entertaining, and then the double doink reveal, unbelievable. What did Steve Kern have to tell you <laughs> about Doink the Clown the the second? <laughs> yeah. Um... Basically, just that Kern said it was, if I remember correctly, he said, I think he said it was his idea. And I, th I think he said he, um, you know, the Skinner gimmick had run its course as far as he felt. And uh, he, he pitched that uh, to, to be the second doink. And, um, you know, he cut his hair off and, and shaved. And, uh, and this, so they, uh, this was before, I guess you could, we couldn't do it outside anyway. You, you, there's been times I've seen like under, you know, Undertaker when Taker would come from under the ring, you know, you know, they, they they darken the arena and show like a video package, and Taker would just go down there with the crew, like in a black hoodie, which that's I thought awesome. was I love that. Cool. <laughs> right? I love um, that. Yeah. And, and so obviously uh you couldn't do that at WrestleMania nine. And and uh so anyway, Kern before Doors, he was under the ring. Um and he had a monitor and he had his cue to go out. And he said he had a great time hanging out under there. <laughs> and um and yeah, they when they 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 did the, the double doing thing, and man, I thought it was it got over huge because again, it was uh, you know, something you never seen before, and, and how <laughs> how cool they did the the mirror mirror thing, and yeah, um, and it worked great. I think they they they, they did that all summer, you, you know, the the um the double doinks and uh, it'd be the doink under the ring, and yeah, and that's. Uh, that's pretty much all I re remember Steve saying about it was, was, was that, but I thought, you know, it worked, uh, worked really well. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and the match itself, again, you know, it's not the greatest match in the world and I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash uh, Brian Adams and say Brian Adams wasn't good. Brian Adams was a specimen. He was unbelievable, but you got to think, you know, it just, the, the whole package of uh, doink versus this big Hawaiian guy. I don't know. I just, it, it I don't know what they were trying to do. The match is just kind of clunky in parts. You know, he throws Doink around a lot. And I mean, to watch Brian Adams literally pick up Matt Bourne over his head like he's nothing is like it's a feat of strength that, you know, I'm sure very few could uh, uh, do again. But when we see that second Doink come out and we've only seen the other Doink again in promos, in the crowd, build up on tv you know the event center stuff like that we haven't seen him i'm sure he was on the house shows i'm sure he was i, I didn't right. go back to look that's um, right that, that was his first match on tv that's yeah that was right. the first tv match like yes 
I remember going back at the time, we're in 93 here. I mean, I had no expectations for what the match was going to be. I just wanted right. Crush to get his hands on this dastardly clown who I legit didn't like because not because he sucked, not because I didn't like a clown right. as a wrestler, but because he was a good bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. I remember telling my buddy, Jason Amin, uh, that that Doink won, and he says, "How do you lose to a guy in a clown suit?" And <laughs> the announcers must have put Doink over as a good wrestler in that because I remember saying, "I was like, dude, no, he he's he, he can wrestle, man." <laughs> yeah. Well, what they did was they. I mean, and this is the whole package of Doink. They made him dangerous. They, they yeah. The, the out, announcers yeah. made this seem like it was a deranged person yep. who was dangerous. And then when you throw in the WWF production. The music, the, yeah, the, the music was great. The clown music into the dark music, the do 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 into the the whistle, into the screaming kids, the crying kids, the whole <laughs> package. And what they did was a classic production trick that they used for the Undertaker a few years earlier is the crowd shots. Yeah, that that's is right. what made You're you right. think this guy was a psychopath. Is that you get the disillusioned kids now? Necessarily speaking, from a production point of view they're probably grabbing kids that aren't looking or really aren't paying attention and have mm. a blank stare on their face and thus they become the scared kids of doink right sure in <laughs> in bobby heenan would always put it over so good he would say look at watch the expressions change monsoon look at this guy and, you know that type of stuff this guy's yeah. off his rocker oh this guy's dangerous and He's it's dang- the whole package, his finishing move wasn't the, the whoopee cushion. It wasn't the what they would end up doing a few years later where he'd land on the guy and they make the fart noise, you know, the, yeah. the whoopee cushion noise. He used like a an odd like pretzel leg lock. I, yeah, I don't even know what it would be. It was a submission hold, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's that adds to it because. Yeah. If you're going to get kidnapped by a deranged clown, he's not going to uh, catch his catch. Ken, you know, uh, <laughs> fight you. He's going to he's going to probably put you in some lock of some sort, some kind of hold. And that was very accurate. <laughs> y- yeah. Yes. You're, you're making some excellent points. I, I never really thought about the, you know, that and the um, the, the shots of, of, of the kids and, and all that from the production side definitely added to the whole, you know, everything, the mystique of him, the deranged clown now we talked about when you were on the last time we talked about how you were at survivor series 92 was he in the crowd for survivor series yes and i do remember that and he i remember at that time he actually had worked his way into the aisle oh okay (laughs) but was he around the whole show or just for one like part i think he just came out like once or twice he's kind of doing like i remember he was like doing like the robot and and, (laughs) people kind of paid attention to him but not you know not really (laughs) (laughs) that's we're, we're filming this on video. This, of course, will be released on audio. He was doing the robot when he just said <laughs> Matt yeah. Bourne was doing the robot. So uh, just for visually speaking, I have to point out you were doing the robot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But so he does uh, some more matches sporadically after WrestleMania. Uh, kind of like more notably the King of the Ring qualifier for the 1993 King of the Ring against Mr. Perfect. Uh, Mr. Perfect gets the win, but because of the double doinks. So now the double doinks kind of backfire this time. Uh, But like the match itself is like, it's a damn good match. And again, you're not expecting this when you see a guy in a clown suit wrestling, but Mr. Perfect, obviously perfect in every sense and every word Uh, wrestling doink Monday night raw. Do you remember this match? I do. I, I do. Did you study this for your match against Kurt Hennig? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I, uh, I did not. Um, but, but the other one that stands out to me around this time is uh, you remember the, the match with Marty Jannetty. And I think there was some sort of screw job finish with the double doink. So the next week they come back and have a, a really good two out of three falls match to open raw. Oh, I don't really remember that. I got to go back and uh, and polish up on my. How do I forget a Marty Janetti thing? That's that's bad job on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I was thinking about this the other day. As a kid, I, I couldn't, you know, I didn't have a trained eye or anything like you know you would later, but I didn't. I just knew when I saw a good match, but I didn't know why. Just you just kind of intuitively understood. Wow, that was really good. Um, and I also liked the um, Savage's involvement. Yeah, if you remember, and he, yeah, you know, Savage. That's why I love Savage as a commentator. He was a, he was one of us, man. He's a babyface, and he would call out injustices. And one time, uh, there was a double doink, and Savage was saying, "Look at the paint! Look at the paint! The paint's not worn. It's a different doink." <laughs> and he uh, pointed this out to the referee, and uh, and um, yeah. And I remember a few weeks later when Savage and Doink had like their mini like few week feud. Yeah. Um, Again, uh, you know, Matt Boren's just you, just feeling it, improving Mike skills. Uh, I remember after at the end of Raw, he called out Savage. And he goes, "Hey, Macho Man!" He goes, <laughs> "Looks like you have a problem interfering in my matches." And like, just you, that's not scripted. Like nobody wrote that for him. You know, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! No, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, and there was those little mini feuds. I'm looking at it right here. They actually their first match they had was a house show in 1993 in March of all times. Early in the Doink run, uh, March 21st, 1993, Randy Savage defeats Doink the Clown via DQ. Basically, every match is a DQ um, with uh, with with Doink for the most part. Uh, but yeah, those early raw matches that Doink was a part of, like they, they're damn good matches. And you think about the guys now, I know crush Brian Adams. He came from Portland. He probably worked with Matt Bourne for a while. Cause Matt Bourne is a Portland guy, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, Marty Jannetty. These guys probably all work together yeah, <laughs> at yeah. some point, thus making the matches maybe that much better. Is it easier to get into a two out of three falls match with somebody you're more familiar with than somebody they're just booking you against randomly one week and feeling it out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, they, uh, you know, it was always kind of said the first match with somebody could be a little awkward, but then sometimes, you know, the first time you just click, which is really great, but yeah, absolutely. The more you wrestle somebody definitely. And if you have chemistry and all that, and then, the, the best was always wrestling your buddies because you were just super, you just knew them better, I guess. And you just knew, you know, what, what was coming or you're just more comfortable doing it. Yeah. So I'm, you're right. You know, working together before, um, you know, that being coming from OVW, that was one of the things I think helped me a bit, you know, when I first started doing stuff with WWE was like a lot of the guys, uh, you know, just for example, some of the <laughs> The tag matches Miz and I would have it against Tyson Tomko and Gene Snitsky on all the on all the Raw house shows. And <laughs> oh like, boy, <laughs> yeah. But it, actually, dude, Gene was me and Idol Stevens were talking about this recently. Gene was such a good big man, um, and we would joke. We would say he looks like he shouldn't be. He looks like he should just be really stiff, but he was he was really good and he was he was pretty uh, light. And but anyway, I, you know, I, I like oh, I've I worked these guys before, you know, and and that sure that would always kind of. 
make make just make it easier i guess you could say yeah so, it just it seems like it it seems yeah yeah so that, that was probably happening sure with those guys that have worked each other in the past yeah and then he's basically paired with all veterans if you really ran down the the details he he works el matador on european tours okay mm. so there's tito he works bob backland a lot on the house shows and that's mm. kind of optically let's talk about that one yeah. baby face supremo bob backland yes. with his wrestling jacket and red tights and doink the clown the literally polar opposite of a gimmick of what bob backland would be yes that had to be a sight to be seen <laughs> yes first that's a great point uh which by the way i don't want to get off topic but i, I kind of along along the same lines uh i love the hill backland just the Back off his rocker, yeah. complete 180 from what we saw on TV before. <laughs> now the match- never, what's no, go that? Ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I've never met Bob Backlund, but from what, what I've all, all the stories I've heard, he was he's just a weird guy in general. You know the way his verbiage and the things he would. I think in Mick Foley's book he says, uh, "I swear, Bob Bob would have to get into his car to drive home and say, okay, I can stop ribbing everybody now and just be normal." <laughs> I'm going to doubt that having dealt with Bob Backlund, I'm going to, I'm going to doubt it. <laughs> so yeah, you've had experience with him, right? He's just kind of just a strange dude, right? He's, he's out there. He's definitely a different <laughs> breed of cat, but Hey, for a guy, his age and uh, the way he takes care of himself, may he live oh, to be a hundred. Cause he is, I uh, love it. Yeah. He, that personality and his lifestyle has kept him, uh, kept him going. <laughs> yeah. And the best would be, I, I've heard about it many times in the early two thousands in the Northeast, he would just appear at shows and he'd just be there. And eventually they even worked him into the 2000 Royal Rumble. If you, uh, if you recall, Bob Backlund's a surprise entrant in the, the 2000 Royal Rumble, but at the house shows and television tapings, you could be in, let's say like, uh, you know, the new Haven, Connecticut and Bob Backlund would be in the crowd doing the Bob Backlund shtick, just running around and yelling at people. And apparently he wasn't like booked to be there by WWE. <laughs> Dude, I just, okay. When you're sharing that, I, I take it back. I did meet him not before I got into wrestling and, and I, I forgot about this. I was at a, I went to a raw in Cleveland in two, in 2000, I think it was. And he was in the lobby selling his autographed T-shirts, Bob Backlund for president. <laughs> and I bought one, and I think I, I still might have it at my parents' house. Oh, wow. And um, I didn't think anything of it until, like, just now. Like, I never thought about it again. He, you know, I just assumed at the time that he was with WWE, but no, I mean, he just went there on his own and set, set up shop in the lobby, apparently, which he stayed there until someone maybe – security told him he had to leave i don't know he did at the world i've I've heard he actually did it at the 2000 royal rumble that he was in the lobby selling the shirts and i don't know if they they, i'm sure they probably coordinated him that night because that's a good surprise msg bob Backlund. you know he made invented it a million times whatever but still you know bob Backlund, not in the virgil sense where virgil was like the pesky uh like oh god here's virgil again right a little different because he was animated and he'd get you into it but I'll tell you, from working with them, 100% legit. 100%. Uh, I just want to say that Marty Jannetty match you mentioned, uh, the date of it was, I just lost it. I had it and I lost it, was I summer, believe. Right? It was in the summer. Yes. Uh, where the hell did it go? God, oh, there it is. June 21st, 1993. Yeah. 
two out of three falls. The reason I'm going to point that one out is because a few weeks prior, there was a debut that took place in a Doink the Clown squash match on Monday Night Raw. Do you know whose debut on Monday Night Raw was against Doink the Clown? Okay, so, uh, okay, um, that's a great trivia. So I just have a few a few hints. Was this somebody, the debut, was it somebody that would later become like a big star or were they debuting and stayed at that point? They would later go on to have quite the, uh, the impressive run in, okay. in multiple uh, organizations. Yeah. Was it Matt Hardy? No, that is a very good guess. The answer yeah. is the Kamikaze Kid. Oh, I was gonna say, <laughs> that was gonna be my next guess. But, but then, so he, he, um, th- that was the, that was his beginning of where like three weeks later he would have beat Razor, right? Correct. Yeah. So yeah. he's the Kamikaze Kid, complete with his L Kid tights, his Lightning yes. Kid tights. But he's the Kamikaze Kid. Then he'd become the kid. Then he would become the one, two, three kid. But yeah, against Matt Bourne on Monday Night Raw, Doink the Clown and the Kamikaze Kid. That is a uh, the first appearance of Sean Waltman on WWF television. Which that's a fun one to look at, too. You know how you and I always talk about, like, you know, I love to view it through the lens as I did as a fan. And then from being in the wrestling business. And what's cool about that is like that was you know, we've talked about very well done. So, but that's the kids at that point he's signed, right? He's, he's yep. with the company and yeah. Yeah. Now, this is one I don't recall. And this is a Monday night raw taping, uh, June 7th, 1993. And I can't tell if this is a dark match or not. This just says Monday night raw taping yeah. Shawn Michaels and doink fight to a double disqualification. Oh, funny. June 93. That had to be untelevised. Yeah, because I, I would I think I would have remembered that. The rest that, of the that matches, was very no, I'm just saying the rest of the matches, Mr. Perfect defeats LA Gore, Owen Hart pins Dan Dubiel, and Jerry Lawler defeats Mark Thomas. And then the, the second match that's on here is a Shawn Michaels draw doink the clown. Oh, how f- I wonder yeah, I because that was very rare to have a heel heel match then too. They, they probably just uh who knows, man, maybe uh somebody couldn't go that was supposed to be in that match. And they put, Hey, both these guys can work. Just put them out there. Have fun. I don't know. Yeah. Now I believe I'm, I'm going to say that uh, the Marty Jannetty defeating of doink may have been the first televised loss, like pinning loss. I could yeah. be incorrect. I'm seeing a lot of DQ. He literally every match is a DQ, but this one just says, obviously it's two out of three falls and Jannetty wins. So that's going to be the first loss. Then uh, the Macho Man defeats him with the flying elbow, which I believe they used in like Macho Man promos for months after that. Yeah. Uh, but the biggie, as we move into the evolution of the doink run, is the SummerSlam match with Bret Hart, which I think is what really opened up everybody's eyes to the, the perfection of this character is that now we're putting him in with this main event active main event. Savage was a part-timer at that point, even though he didn't want to be, he was a part-timer. Brett is Brett in 1993. And he has a great fill in match for the injured quote unquote, Jerry Lawler. Yeah. And the match with doink is probably my favorite match of SummerSlam 93. I don't know if you would uh, be in the same boat, but it's a damn good match. You know, um, I've actually never seen it. Uh, I, I, cause this was when I couldn't get pay-per-view and I remember the image in my mind's eye right now as we're talking about it, or the stills 
the still recap. And I remember Doink coming out with two water buckets. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it worked really well. Lawler sends his royal gesture, his court gesture out to yep. defeat Brett. And um, it was also, see, at, at this point, We'll we'll get into this, I guess. So um I feel at this point that the the baby face Matt Bourne <laughs> heel or a uh, baby face doink worked at least at this point because uh, it made sense the way they turned him. You know, he goes out and, and and then Lawler starts he goes, That idiot doink. And so then uh doink in return kind of you know starts messing with Lawler, and that's that's fun. All right, yeah, he yeah, he does the Burger King promo if you remember that. Yep. Um and uh then it's like oh this guy. It's, it's like the stereo, you know, they would always teach us if, if you can get people to hate you, if you turn, they'll love you. And I think that's what, uh, what happened, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on, on the initial Matt, you know, still Matt Bourne at this point. Oh, well, when he's starting to turn babyface, it's unbelievable because only six months prior, you're hating this guy is probably the one, two or third top heel in the company and the match with Brett. Yeah, you're right. It turns, it, it, they blame doink for the loss and the yeah. slow burn over just really only two or three weeks until he goes full fledged baby face, which if you recall the cementing of the baby face doink was the bucket of water on Bobby Heenan, which if you take out Bobby Heenan, you're obviously a good guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, but the match is up with Brett. The, the thing is, so Lawler can't compete, you know, classic Lawler uh, heel tactic. Um, yeah. He ends up getting involved. Brett locks him in the sharpshooter. And I believe they restarted the match afterwards. Something like that. Brett locks in the sharpshooter, but won't release it. So they reverse it. So technically Lawler gets the win on Brett and That's they have right. to have the family come in and Owens in there. And a couple other people are trying to get Brett off of, right. um, uh, off a of Lawler, but that kind of makes you forget that this whole doink thing happened just a couple minutes prior. So there's a lot of stuff going on. You got Brett snapping, you got doink possibly now turning baby face and Lawler, you know, still look, he's still Lawler. He's Teflon. He's going to always be the, the, you know, the great bad guy. Yeah. But when you turn on Bobby Heenan in the nineties, especially in that era, you're automatically now a good guy. <laughs> That's right. That's how they turn the nasty boys. Baby face. Was it on Bobby Heenan? Yeah, did, didn't they? Uh, didn't didn't they throw uh, throw his chair out in, in in at the broadcast booth? And, and Monsoon goes, "I've been trying to do that for years." <laughs> I don't remember, but I like it. <laughs> it was something to do with Jimmy. They Jimmy Hart. They blame Jimmy Hart for selling them out, and then uh, I can't remember. I might be remembering it wrong, but no, you're definitely you might right. be on yeah. the wrong. You might, you're definitely on the right track. I just don't remember the exact moments. Uh, when it happened, another one you, you turn on on Heenan and you're a good guy. Yeah, along those same lines, man. One of my favorite babyface turns that I marked out huge for was the surprise entry of who's gonna slam Yoko, Lex Luger. And uh, absolutely, <laughs> if you remember, he shoved Heenan away. That was like solidifying it right there. He, you know, was like, "What are you doing?" And he shoves, he shoved Bobby Heenan out he the way. Shoved, yeah, that's it. No, that's exactly right. It's uh. That's the absolute. Uh, you turn on Bobby Heenan in that era, you are a uh, you're an absolute on the way to being a, a babyface. Here's one that I'm going to throw this one out at you. Just going back to earlier in the year, Doink in '93, dark match at the 1993 Royal Rumble, Doink the Clown defeats Jim Powers. Oh wow! So 
So of course, right. He, he is like, you're saying he is doing house shows and darks leading up to mania. Yeah. So there you go. Imagine being in that crowd and, and being, Oh, you hear Jim powers come out. Like, oh, Jim powers. And then doink the clown. It's like, wow, <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? I'm just trying to figure out the last. Now, obviously the unfortunate end to the story is that Matt Bourne gets released by the WWF gets fired. Uh, he had some issues, some substance issues, and it ultimately led to his demise. But they had other people portraying the doinks. Now, we kind of glanced over King of the Ring 93, which I don't know if you had seen that or you remember this. I did. They had multiple, multiple doinks. They had like five or six doinks now to mess with Crush in his Intercontinental title match with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I don't know who portrayed all of them. I'm sure Brooklyn Brawler was in there. I'm sure Kern yeah. was in there. Uh, you know, obviously Bourne. And now Ray Apollo, who would go on to be the face doink. I don't know if he was being worked in as a fill-in on some of the shows. Cause I think Kern was the primary fill-in for the most part for as doink number two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, probably would be my guess. Um, and I don't know. I'm guessing for whatever reason they, they went with Apollo, you know, maybe he was a better baby. I don't know. Or who knows? I, I don't I don't know. Well, Bourne technically starts the babyface run, and it's only for a right, little while. Right. I don't know if it is Survivor Series 93, which is the absolute end of that doink. You, you have to go back and listen to the promos because Bourne's got a very distinct voice, and Apollo yeah. has a very distinct voice. Doink, uh, Bourne is very, like, gruff. Apollo's yeah. very kind of lighthearted. You can tell it's a different guy. Yeah. But the 93 Survivor Series, the face doinks, the bushwhacker doinks, and the men on the mission doinks, it's goofy. But I'll tell you what, I still watch it and I smile at it because I think it's I, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And do you know when when did Bourne get released? Because it, it says if I if I was looking at the Wikipedia, it says 93. And I believe it is in the fall. But again, I just don't remember if it's at Survivor Series or if it's before Survivor Series. I'm yeah. trying to figure that out uh, because he's he'd be if you go and Google him or you YouTube his name, he's got a ton of stuff as Doink after you know he's out of WWF. So I'm trying to pinpoint. It says here, let's see, character history. Uh, Doink turned on Lawler on September 26th in the King's Court, making the Burger King jokes, like you said. Then he would do the uh, the Bobby Heenan uh, water dump. And it looks like uh, Matt Bourne, the original man behind Doink, was fired for reoccurring drug abuses, eventually leaving the gimmick uh to ray apollo doesn't pinpoint a date but it, it's the tail end of 93 it's got to yeah, be okay. november december yeah yeah and then is um, <laughs> then, then he would just get right back into the independence and, and we'll talk about this because you and i have talked about this a lot and this is obviously i don't cover anything outside of the wwf and the new generation but when he would reestablish doink and ecw briefly he would get beat by 911 he would get choke slammed to hell by 911 but then would evolve the character into the born again where he is dressed as doink but he's not fully makeup and he is legit out of his mind yeah and see i think this is where um again it, it, it's uh i think where doink gets the uh the bad rap, the doing character is, is the babyface run, right? Because at this time, if I remember correctly, 
just from clips that I've seen, you know, at, at this time in the wrestling business. So ECW is kind of like um, the, the new fresh, cool, you know, reality TV wrestling and, and uh, Dwayne, Dwayne kind of uh, symbolized the WWF cartoonish gimmicks that were, you know, starting to become blah, passe or, and so they didn't, then they had a chant, like crush the doink or something in ECW like that. And, and so, yeah, something to that ilk. Yeah. And, uh, or kill the clown or something. something I think it was kill the clown. It might've been kill the clown. I, I know the, the chant. I just can't, uh, yeah. Can't crush the doink was actually kind of crush. But, yeah. But anyway, that's so Paul Heyman, like, like, Hey, let's send them out there and then just have tombstone or nine one one come in uh choke slam them. And, uh, but then also I'm guessing, you know, the, you know, the greatness of Heyman and, and, and born together, you know, he gives them this platform to really evolve that character. And I've, you've told me a lot about that. I've never really seen it. I've just seen a few promos with him and Shane and yeah. uh, it looks really well done because it was real. Yeah. And, it's really well done. And it's funny because it's also a prelude to the franchise character we'd see later on in the late nineties where he's very anti every other promotion. This he's criticizing Vince for taking a great skilled wrestler as Matt Bourne and putting him under a clown costume, yeah. which in 94, 95, you're exposing to the fans. Right. Vince McMahon is not only the booker, Vince McMahon is not only the creative guy, but you're, you know, you're saying that this wrestler is portraying this, that shit was unheard of yes. <laughs> in the yeah. mid nineties. That is taboo to the extreme. No pun intended. Right. <laughs> yeah. You got to watch that shit, man. Come on. What are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, I know. Which again, there's like that funny because like, how could you do this to this guy? Like that works, right? You put him in a clown suit. But then at the same time, that gimmick was great. Yo, Dwayne was great, you know? Yeah, it's it's awesome. Now, two little things, two two little sidebars before we get to yeah. the uh, to the wrap up and kind of overall package of Dwayne. If I was to show you a Steve Kern dressed as Doink uh, versus a Matt Bourne dressed as Doink, could you tell them apart? I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I don't know. Maybe My not. Mark brain, man, I don't think I can do it. I, don't, if you, I can definitely see the Ray Apollo, but I don't know why I can't. I can't distinguish those first Doinks. They were so well done. I don't know if I could pick out Doink number one versus Doink number two. <laughs> It, it, I, I think I would have to see video. I don't think I could do it from a picture. You could but, see um, the video, though. You could see the Kern build on the uh, on I the think joint so, character. or just Kern's face, too, even a little bit. All right. I think. Maybe not. <laughs> we'll discount WrestleMania 9 because uh, Bourne's face paint uh, melted off yeah. in the uh, Las Vegas uh, heat. <laughs> right. It's just what must have been death underneath the ring. Holy shit. Keeping your face painted in Las Vegas underneath the ring. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he did, though. <laughs> That's a lot of reapplying that we got to do underneath. I'm pretty sure Kern told me he they gave him a, he had a few beers too. You know he was able to enjoy. Yeah. Now, I always preface these things now because I don't. I mean, look, my memory's pretty good, but sometimes it's not. And, and it's funny when uh, you know you'll, you'll reminisce with a group of people, and and it's like I'll say something, and it's like for example, uh, me and Johnny Jeter will get together and be like, hey, you know remember an OVW and this happened and like the we all do it I guess there's times where you don't remember it the way it really happened right mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh say so anyway when I tell these stories that were just told to me I I, I always just throw that little caveat out like if I remember correctly because 
I could be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. Now, how about this, the doink head thing? Do you remember the curly haired doink? (laughs) Do you remember when they were switching it up a little bit? Again? Yes. I I like to view it through the lens (laughs) of a fan. And then what was really going on, like, like being wrestling. So, I remember as a kid, I was I couldn't figure it out. I was like, "What's different about him? He looks stupid. Why does he look different?" <laughs> then I was like, "Oh wait, his his I hated that wig. The only thing I can think of is, uh, I mean, who knows? <laughs> I like to think somebody ribbed him and like hit his mask, the 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 tie around gimmick one, or and it was lost for like weeks, and so he had to go some. You know, they had to send like, you know." somebody to go get a clown wig at the local town they were in. And that's all he had for a few weeks. I, I, right. Cause then he, then he went back. Do you know, he went any, back to it. no, I don't. Yeah. It just looks like, you know, your grandma's perm on top of uh, right, a right. Toink. it's like, it makes no sense that all of a sudden it goes from that stringy green hair to this puffy curly perm on top of his head. And there's a bunch of promos out there about it. He does a lot of those right. like face to face and event centers and, and those like yeah. stand up, uh, 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 you know, match promos with the stupid right. perm thing. And you're like, that doesn't work. <laughs> we got to get rid of that. And they probably noticed that, too. Yeah. yeah oh, sure. Um, th- th- there's an episode of Raw where a fan pulls it off his head. You remember that? No, I don't. He, he He's running. It's heel doing and he's running back. You know, in the Manhattan Center, and uh, someone grabs it. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, they probably got their ass kicked afterwards. Right? Yeah. He probably came back out dressed as Matt Bourne and kicked the <laughs> shit out of the fan. <laughs> there was a story of Bourne doing that one of the territories, right? Where he, he beat oh, up. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And, and and he and you know they were like protecting the business, and then he got fired for it. I think. Yeah, that's the big one with him and Jim Duggan that led to their heat. That legit would be un- up until. Matt Bourne died. Now these two used to run together in mid South. They were even a part of the rat pack uh, together at one point, but there was an incident in mid South where a fan, you know, got a little overzealous uh, and attacked Duggan and Bourne came in and pummeled the crap out of the fan. I think knocking the guy's eye out or breaking his eye socket or something. Oh shit. And I eventually, even though they were okay at that point, I think Duggan got sued for it and never forgave born for what happened. And they if you go and look at it, it's on YouTube, they ended up having a shoot fight in a match that was booked between them on an indie show in like 2011. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Matt born is like, he's got, so Matt, this is another cool thing about Matt born before we wrap up. Eventually when he started to do the doing character again, later on in his, in his life, what would end up being the end, tail end of his life he evolved it into the Joker version of doing the dark Knight Joker with the, with the smeared makeup and the oh, runny yeah. face. And it looked bad ass. It looked out of this world. Cool, but too little too late, unfortunately. And that you see that version of Matt Bourne doing shoot fighting with Hacksaw Jim Duncan <laughs> at an <laughs> indie show in New Jersey in 2011. <laughs> wow. And, 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 and that's so I didn't know that that's for, and that's kind of how I, how I always took the heel doing was this a strange dude that like we've been saying that makes his face like a clown too crazy now for somebody who almost portrayed a pirate at one point in your uh, in your yeah. illustrious career let's give it a let's give it a grade and let's only judge the Matt Bourne 
era. So that's about November 92 to like November 93. We're not going to talk about the stuff afterwards. Just take that sample year of doink. Give me a letter grade for Matt Bourne as the evil heel doink the clown. Oh, man. Um, geez, I, I guess. OK, I would say B plus only because he wasn't like a top top guy, I guess. Uh, and um, it, it's kind of silly in some ways, I guess. Not everybody's cup of tea, but um, over, for that reason, maybe it, it knocks it down a bit. But I'd say, yes, a solid B plus. Yeah, I agree. I did. I maybe even give him just a B because. I think the, the 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 match of Bret Hart being what it was was great, but it's just like he wasn't he wasn't where he maybe could have been with where the character was. He really could have been an evil guy. Imagine a Matt Bourne as an evil heel doink with Hulk Hogan, you know, mm. and yeah. playing the tricks on the Hulkster. You know, like that's something that could happen. You know, that's um, that's definitely viable. Um, it, it reminds me of uh, you know Mick Foley has said in interviews, you know. When they put it, when they brought him in as mankind in his, in his feud with Undertaker, one of the unique thing about it was this: this was somebody that could, you know, challenge Taker psychologically and get into his head. Yeah. And and Doink had a little bit of that to him. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And you could see that maybe with a guy like Hogan. So I'm going to give yeah. it a B as well. And then as we saw the other guys portray him, the distress it dropped it down. That's where it became goofy, and that's why I couldn't see a midget or little person dink with that maniacal crazy doink <laughs> right yeah yep um do you have a funny story about born on the indies when he's doing doink on the indies and um well one of my buddies told me and this is just such a simple story but i think it's so funny he said um he was doing a show at an indie show and um it, it was at a school and, and, I, and i've done these shows where if you're at a school then like you can uh you know, you, you can go walk the halls if you want, just to get by yourself or, you know, so he, he's walking the hallways and um, you know, there's nobody around and he, and he passes a classroom and inside the classroom is Matt Bourne in full on doink gimmick, makeup, everything, except for the, the head part. And he has his hair tied back in a ponytail and he's got his feet propped up on a desk, sitting in this elementary school classroom, smoking a cigarette in my, my buddy walks by and keeps walking and they both make eye contact and their eyes meet as he walks past the doorway. <laughs> and um, I just think that's a, a hilarious story. And that's nightmare <laughs> fuel for people. That could be somebody's like legit nightmare. You mean <laughs> right? of a clown in your school classroom, smoking a cigarette, like, you know, just like, la- and I, I think I've told you this. He was, like I said, he lived in Jersey right before he died and he was working overnight in a supermarket and a uh, a guy that you know I had known who was delivering uh, Pepsi's at the time. He worked for Pepsi. He was a root sales driver. He told me who he was, and he said that he was del- del- doing the deliveries, putting the stuff on the shelves, and that Matt Bourne would be in the other aisle in the middle of the night doing the doink laugh, just going, <laughs> just going. <laughs> Like in this dead store in the middle of the night with just people working on the shelves and he'd be doing the doink laugh. Those people were probably scared shitless. Right. <laughs> and again, I, I put his laugh. It's up there with DiBiase as far as a, to, a fake laugh on cue like that. That sounds 100% legit. 
They don't make them like they used to for the wrestling <laughs> business, do they? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we'll wrap up for this uh, new generation declassified, of course, joined by my uh, my good buddy, my uh, my longtime close personal friend, as Gorilla Monsoon would say, uh, yeah. the great Chris Pavone. Chris, please share with the listeners of New Generation Declassified where they can find anything and everything going on in your neck of the woods. Yeah, so let's see. I'm Chris Pavone on Facebook, on Twitter. I'm Croft Daddy WWE. Um, and uh, let's see. I have a website, chrispavone.com, and a podcast, The Chris Pavone Show. So that's pretty much it. Love the podcast. Are we bringing are we bringing it back anytime soon? Are we gonna give our uh, give us that inspirational dose of wisdom that you provide? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know as as of now, no. But um, yeah, I still pay to host it, right? So it's <laughs> it's available on your favorite podcast app. It's evergreen content too. So that's true. You pick it up whenever you want. It's not dated. You don't have to say oh, you can listen to an episode from 2016 or 2017, and it could work now because you know any kind of. Uh, not, I, I don't want to use the word motivational or inspiration, but just any kind of positive content like that never gets old. And it, you can listen to yeah. it at any point. And I fully endorse it because I do love it. And I used to listen to it every day or every week you'd upload it going into work. I'd have it on my iTunes. I'd listen to that bad boy as I was driving. Yeah, I quick, yeah. And a quick listen. That's the best part. Quick listen. You're in and out. Yeah. And you feel yeah. good afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Well, if you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to check out my website, it's ibexclusives.com. I got my autograph signing stuff over there. This website is tmptempire.com. All the podcasts under one roof, including our association with the Russo brand, where you can find every week the Triple Threat podcast with this guy's favorite, the franchise, Shane Douglas. We got to throw him there, the franchise, (laughs) even though it's it's audio. Uh, And of course, Patreon. The Queen of Extreme Francine, patreon.com slash Francine podcast. This is where I run out of breath as I do the the, uh, the <laughs> closer of the show. Uh, but I thank everybody, of course, for listening to this new generation declassified. Please go check out Matt Born Doink. If you've never looked at him, if you've never experienced it, go experience it. Uh, you will not be disappointed. So for my uh, my buddy here, the Croft Daddy himself, this is your old pal, the Chadster. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.